Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Dance Coach Podcast. I want to start off today by thanking everybody who's been listening. I've heard from my current students and former students about how much they're enjoying the content, and that just warms my heart so much. Um, You know, I'm doing this because I just love teaching, and I just... I want to get out there all the things that I've learned over the years. And it just, it's so amazing to know that I'm able to have a bigger impact on my students, the ones that I'm currently teaching and the ones that I'm, you know, I'm no longer in contact with every day. I actually had a current student tell me she was listening to the podcast about goals and that she was like taking notes on it and it was really helping her to clarify her goal setting process. So, you know, that's amazing because we only get so much time in class and I always feel like there's so much more I want to say and so much more that I can be doing, but I am limited by time. That is a limitation that we can't really get around, but this is a way that I've found to get around that limitation of time and be able to put this information out there for my students who really, really want to go deeper into this and have more time with the material. So that's super exciting to me. So again, thank you everyone who has been tuning in. Today we're talking about a concept that I teach, which is 100% responsibility. Now, most of these concepts that I teach are, I didn't make them up. They're, they're universal, philosophical, and spiritual concepts that have been around for a very long time. And I've learned them through all of my great teachers, um, Eckhart Tolle, Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, Marianne Williamson. And it's just the way that I take that information and those principles and concepts, and I can apply them to dance and in the dance experience so that my students are able to really be empowered. That's my goal always, to empower my students, to help them understand that they're the ones that are completely in control of their trajectory, their progress, their success in this art form. And in life, these principles don't just apply to dance. They're obviously universal principles, so they can use them in their daily lives as well. And I love hearing the most when we've had a conversation in class and, you know, it's been in the context of dance, but they've gone away and they've applied that concept to the rest of their lives. So maybe they've applied it to something that's going on at school and they've seen that this concept is applicable across the board in their life and they're finding success and you know that that feeling of enjoyment that comes from really harnessing your own power that to me is the most rewarding thing about being a teacher i really could care less sometimes about where they end up as dancers now don't get me wrong i i really enjoy producing really strong technically efficient beautiful artistic dancers, but I know that what I'm doing is so much bigger than just helping them be better dancers. So this concept of 100% responsibility is about the idea that we are 100% responsible for everything that is going on in our space. 
Now, that doesn't mean that, we're, that we are the cause for everything that's going on in our life or in our space, but it does mean that we are 100% responsible for how we react to whatever is going on in our space and in our life. We are 100% responsible for how we behave as a result of the things that are going on in our lives, right? So something occurs in our life and we have a thought about it that creates an emotion, yeah? That's... That is 100% in our control to decide how we want to feel about things. And I think that the first time I really heard this concept was actually from Eckhart Tolle, but I'm not sure. He might have been quoting Shakespeare, um, but it, it's the idea that nothing is either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Whoa, right? Like, let me say that again. Nothing is either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Basically saying that all, all circumstances, all events, anything that happens in our life is neutral. It has no, it, it is not attached to any emotion until we decide to attach an idea to it. We are in complete control of how we view our experiences, 100%, like all the time, no matter what. There is no circumstance in our life that we are not 100% in control of how we see that circumstance. This is so profound to me. Um, and one of the examples of this that really hit home for me was actually being able to see Dr. Wayne Dyer live. Um Oh my God, I, it, it has to be like six, seven, eight, eight years ago. I don't know. It was, it was a while ago, but um, Wayne is somebody who so many people turn to for coaching and advice. And early on in his career, he, um, he was called on to help somebody with stage fright, um, you know, a performer, a musician who you know, was really working to get over this stage fright that was really standing in their way. And so he went in to work with them and, you know, he asked this person to detail what the experience was like for them, you know. And so they went on to say, like, you know, I'm standing backstage and it's, it's I'm getting ready to go on and they announced me and I can hear the crowd is, you know, roaring and my heart starts beating and I start sweating and, you know, and then I, I just know that it's going to be a horrible experience. I just know I'm going to mess it up. And, you know, Wayne tried working with this person, and I don't think he was ultimately successful in helping this person work through their stage fright. Um, but then he detailed years later he was called in um, to work with someone else. And years later he detailed how he was talking to another really big musician, um, world-renowned, and they were just talking about the you know his experience as a performer and he basically detailed the same scenario um and was saying that you know one of the things that he loved so much about performing was that rush that he got before getting on stage you know and his heart would start beating and his pumps would start sweating and like basically detailing the same exact physical response and but his thought about it was like and i just know it's going to be an amazing performance now, what I think is so amazing about this is that two people are describing essentially the 
the same physiological reaction. And I always tell my students that, you know, that um, anxiety and excitement, right? They, they are, it's a very fine line between the two, right? So when they get nervous about going on stage, can they view that as excitement, you know? Can they change their thoughts around this and decide to view it a different way? This story was really big in helping me understand that, and I, re- I recount it to my students all the time, right? That fight-or-flight response in us, right? That, that is a physiological response, but we have to process that physiological response through our thinking brain and make up a story about it. That's part of, you know, dealing with things on a day-to-day basis, right? Things come up and, you know, we have maybe like an innate response of fear. Um, And then we have to go to our thinker brain and be like, okay, is there anything to be afraid of right now? Do I see a threat in my immediate surroundings? No? Okay, I'm cool, right? But that is a whole process that I have to go through. And maybe I go through it really quickly, right? We don't even notice sometimes. It's almost subconscious. Um, It's happening automatically, but it is still the process that we're going through. We are still analyzing the situation and having thoughts about it and creating an emotional response. Now, I either decide to go with the emotional response of get the hell out, or I decide to go with the response of, oh, I'm calm, everything's fine, everything's peaceful. So this is what I mean by we are responsible for everything that's going on in our lives, right down to when we are having these physiological responses, right? We still have to process it through our thinking brain and make up a decision based on the analysis of the situation. So this is really, really helpful for them. Sometimes I've noticed in the teaching of this, um, I definitely back when Kaylin and I had our contemporary training program, there were people that, you know, there were times when, when dancers like just really could not accept the fact that they were responsible for how they were feeling in a situation. Um, and that's going to happen. That there's, There can be a lot of resistance sometimes, especially when, you know, this can happen with anybody, but when we're used to blaming other people for the way that we feel, yeah, um, that can really get in the way of of someone being willing to accept this concept. Um, But I think if we can coach them through that, then it's the most powerful thing that we can help them do because then they can see that they are in control of their experience and it empowers them to make choices that are going to serve them. For me, it's about coaching my students into being more intrinsically motivated. And that is something that is learned. There are people who are just like born like intrinsically motivated. Um, There are other people who go through traumatic experiences and that empowers them and they become intrinsically motivated. Some people go through traumatic experiences and it really demotivates them. It disempowers them. And, you know, they, they have to go through a process of learning how to take back their power. Um, but it is something that can be learned. And, you know, I think a lot of us are dealing with students who are just kind of stuck in a repetitive mind pattern that's that's disempowering for them just because they've never been empowered. 
most of their life is about following other people's rules, right? And and that's important. It's important for them to understand that there are rules and there are boundaries. But boundaries are, and rules are really just about someone saying what's acceptable in their space. And we still have a choice as to whether or not we're going to act the way someone wants us to, if we're going to follow the rules. People can do whatever they want. Um, and that's something that is important to me that I instill in my students, which is that they're choosing to be there. Even if they don't think it's a choice, everything in life is a choice because nobody can make us do anything, right? So they might not like the consequences of choosing not to be there, but it's still a choice, right? So, you know, their parents drop them off at dance and they decide to not walk in the door, okay? There might be a series of consequences to that action, like their parents don't know where they are, they get pissed, they get grounded, right? Um, their dance teachers don't know where they are, they get pissed, they get kicked off the com competitive team, right? So those are all consequences to them not following the rules, but they're still showing up, making the choice to be there. So reminding them that they, they are making the choice to be there is one of the most important things because then we can get into that space of like talking about, okay, but then why are you making the choice to be here? This brings us back to their why in a big, big way, right? Understanding that they're making the choice to be there and then going back to the reasons why they're choosing to be there. If they're choosing to be there because it's a default, because they just don't want to risk the consequences of not being there, that's not a good reason to show up. Yeah. So I would really encourage that student to take a really long, hard look at why they're continuing to show up, especially as they get to be older, they're getting to senior year. Some kids just want to finish out their dance experience with their friends. And that's totally okay. But it's not okay for them to be a distraction in the space. So just because they're not showing up 100% motivated in dance to make dance something that's you know important to them, they're not going to choose to go on dancing, etc., doesn't mean that they get to take away from the experience for other people. So really making them understand that they are 100% in control of the energy that they bring into the space. Yeah. So, you know, if they're not in a good mood, they need to figure out a way to get into a good mood. They need to remember why they're there. So if it really is coming back down to the idea that they're there to finish out this experience with their friends, then... Do they want to take away from that experience for everyone else? Do they want to be disruptive? Do they want to be obnoxious in class and affect everyone else in the room when they say that they're there to be with their friends? That doesn't look to me like someone who is honoring that relationship that they have with their friends by showing up to be a disruptive presence in the space. Um, this is something that I think I understood um, intrinsically, like innately from a very young age. Um, I had a little case of FOMO when I was about three years old and my best friend was taking dance class and I was like, oh my God, I want to go too. And then I got there and I was terrified. Um, and I really didn't want to continue, but my mother made me continue going because I had signed up and she could make me go, but she couldn't make me participate in class. 
So, you know, I was I was brought to the studio, but I still made the choice not to participate. And there were consequences to that action. But, um, you know, I learned at a very young age or understood at a very young age that I did have agency over myself and over my own life. And I think it took me a while to get back to that concept after three years old. Yeah, maybe I was I was in my um, early 20s by the time I really got back to understanding that my life was under my control. But um, once I did understand that, it was um, so empowering for me. And I immediately wanted to take it to my students and help them to understand that they can make any situation, what they want it to be. I think a lot of times um, we're operating from a sense of fear. And that comes up a lot for my students when coaching them on what they're trying to achieve. And they, they talk about, you know, not wanting other people to think that they look stupid or like what are other people thinking about them? And, you know, we can't control what other people think of us. So if our motivation is because of fear of someone else's judgment, that's still a choice. You know, I'm still behaving out of that space of saying, okay, I think someone's going to think negatively about me. Therefore, I'm going to alter my behavior. This is another way that we disempower ourselves in life in, in moments when we feel insecure. We put the focus on other people, not realizing that it's my choice to feel how I want to feel about that. Now, the thing is, is we're never going to eradicate negative emotion all together, right? That's just not possible. Life is filled with both positive and negative experiences. We don't want to feel good all the time. When sad things happen, we want to feel that sadness, right? When we experience loss, we want to be sad about that loss, Um and that's okay, and we need to learn how to process negative emotions. So nervousness, that could be seen as a negative emotion. But the thing is, if we give our students the tools to process their nerves and to realize that their nerves are not going to harm them in any way, right, and that they can do things and they can, you know, be nervous, right? It's that whole idea of the fact that, you know, people who are brave aren't not afraid. They are still afraid, but they do it anyway, right? So they're, they're deci- they've decided that they're going to walk into the situation with their fear. But they've also decided that fear is not allowed to run the show. Elizabeth Gilbert talked about this. I can't remember if it was um, in a book, or I saw her speak once live, but just the idea that, you know, fear is allowed to be there. It's allowed to come along for the ride, but it doesn't get to control anything, right? So it gets no control over the radio. Um, And like, it doesn't get to drive the car, right? So fear can't be the driving force. Um, And she also, you know, talked about this idea of like putting her fears to bed, like, understanding that these fears come up out of a protective sense, right? It's that fight or flight again. It's that that primitive brain, like looking out for threats all over the place. 
And so those fears are coming up, that voice is coming up to try to protect us, you know, but being able to look around and say like, okay, there's nothing wrong here. So, you know, you can go take a nap now. I don't need you. Thank you so much for trying to protect me, but you know, I'm good. So all of these different ways that we're learning how to process these negative emotions, to deal with the fear, to deal with the insecurity are only going to make us stronger. And you know, it, it's always so rewarding to me when I see a student really grasp this concept and really run with it and are willing to actually sit with their uncomfortable feelings and, and look at them, understand them, try to figure out where they came from, right? Sometimes it's like, where did that thought even come from? Who told you that, right? Um, like what makes you think other people are thinking about you in the space? What makes you think other people are judging you in the space? This is something that I we joke, I joke about it. I say it as a joke, but it's so true. And I say it as a joke to kind of soften the blow, but I say to them, nobody cares about you. Literally nobody in this room is thinking about you. Think about it. When you're standing on the sidelines, are you judging anybody else? Or are you thinking about yourself and how you're going to execute the choreography? You're only worried about you. No one else in the room is thinking about you except for me. It is my job to think about you and to watch you and to, yes, look at you in a critical way, but I'm not judging you. I'm looking, I'm looking for all the things. I'm looking for what's improved. I'm looking for what still needs to improve. I'm looking at you like 100% in your entirety, yeah? And there's not a judgment there about where you are. It's just, it's, it's very analytical. Where are you? Where have you been? Where are you now? And where do you need to go? And how do I help you get there? So I'm the only person in the room that is thinking about anybody else other than myself. And a lot of times I'm also thinking about myself, right? I'm thinking about how I am showing up in the space, right? So to get them to really understand that this concept that anybody else is judging them, that their judgment, the judgment that they're feeling is coming from anybody else but themselves is also so huge for them. And that one can take a little bit of time for them to believe, right? It's it's that conversation again we had earlier about the supporting leg and their belief system and their values, right? It can be really difficult for people to really believe the idea that no one else is thinking about them. And I think that's because like, you know, in our own lives, like we're thinking about ourselves so much, we can't comprehend that everyone else isn't. And not in a, you know, narcissistic way, but just the fact that like our one, our one goal on, in this world is to protect and take care of ourselves, right? So that is our actual number one responsibility is ourselves. We're not responsible for anybody else. Yeah. We're only responsible for ourselves. So, you know, we do spend a lot of time thinking about how we are going to navigate the world around us and that's okay. Um, but I think it's important to understand that in a situation like a dance class, there isn't just like a bunch of people standing on the sidelines judging you. So this concept of 100% responsibility to me is it's like groundwork to be laid with all of our dancers. And I start it very young with my dancers. Um, and the conversation is age appropriate. I'm not going to talk to an 11-year-old the same way I talk to a 16-year-old. 
That's not entirely true. Sometimes I find myself talking to 11-year-olds the same way I talk to 16-year-olds. And <laughs> I love when they just nod along. And sometimes I know they're getting it. And sometimes I'm like, you have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? And they're just like, they nod their head. And they're like, no, I don't. I have no idea. And I'm like, yo, you can say. Be like, Chris, wait up. I have no idea what you're saying. I'm 11. This means nothing to me. Um, <laughs> but I appreciate when my students make the effort, even when they're that young. Um, and some of them really get it. You know, I think we sometimes um, believe that we can't introduce really difficult concepts to dancers um, at a young age. But I don't believe that at all. I think that, you know, I talk the way that I talk. One of the things that my students really appreciate is that I don't condescend to them. I don't treat them like they're lesser than me just because they're younger than me or because we're in this like hierarchy of student teacher. Um, you know, teacher is my role and that has certain responsibilities. I have to control my room. I have to discipline them in certain ways. I have to bring them you know, information and hold them accountable for that information. But just because I'm older than them and I'm in this role of authority does not mean that I'm any better than them. And I know that one of the reasons why I'm successful as a teacher is because I teach from that place. I teach from the place of treating my students as equals in the sense that we are all human. And I don't think that any human life is better or or less than any other. And I bring that into the space with me. And, you know, if that's one thing that we can do for children, I think that it's probably one of the most important things we can do for them is to value them as human beings. Um, that doesn't mean I let them get away with things. That doesn't mean I don't hold them accountable when they are messing up or when they're being disrespectful. It just means that I'm not going to treat them like they're inferior to me in the conversation that we're having. So encourage your students to take 100% responsibility over their experience and see how empowering them with this concept really helps them flourish in their everyday life, not just their dance lives. All right, guys, thank you so much. Um, if you are enjoying this podcast, do me a fave. Go ahead and subscribe on whatever service you're listening to, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, and if you wouldn't mind, like, shooting a little review, a little rating, that would be awesome, too. That really helps out. And get involved in the conversation. I'd love to hear from you guys. So, like, leave me some comments. Um, I really want to do a Q&A coming up. So... I'll think about when I want to do that and have you guys submit some questions on topics that you'd like to discuss. All right, guys, I'll talk to you next week. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast and you are inspired to build more awareness, take more action and get more accomplished, you have to go on over to my website and get your free How to Get Anything Done Goal Setting Worksheet. In it, I walk you through my entire goal setting process from start to finish. And if you're interested in taking these skills to the next level, studying them, and having one-on-one -on -one support for applying them to your life, go to www.chrishale.co. That's .co, not .com, to book your free consult today. Thank you.